Thank you, folks. Wonderful. What a, what a great song and a great thought. There's something beautiful about the cross. You know, it's amazing how that's something that is so uh, harsh, so awful, and so grotesque, an instrument of, of death should be beautiful, but that's what Paul said, I glory in the cross. It's our salvation. And I look at the cross and I, I too think there's something beautiful about the cross that shows his love. But God commendeth, he manifested, he showed his love toward us and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. What a wonderful thing. Aren't you glad for the cross? Amen. That's what we're going to be speaking about this morning is Jesus, his, his conquest over death, hell, and the grave on the cross. Matthew chapter 12 and verse number 42, as you're turning there, let me remind you that uh, uh, we just got back from the uh, men's uh, retreat uh, yesterday, from Thursday through yesterday, and it was a wonderful time, and uh, guys had a great, great uh, time. The Lord spoke to hearts. We'll, get, we'll go through a few testimonies tonight in, uh, before the evening service uh, to kind of kind of uh, remember that and, and praise the Lord for what he's done. Uh, it was a tremendous time. It was very good. Um, this afternoon at 2 o'clock will, will be the memorial service for Brother Charles Wilder. Um, Jacinta is here, and she's... Uh, uh, wants everybody to know that you're invited if you'd like to be there for the memorial service for uh, Charles. He uh, was a, a member here for years, and uh, many of you have loved him. And, and uh, he's, he's, we have great memories of um, Charles and, and uh, his, his um, uh, life here. And uh, so we just want to remind you that the memorial service is going to be 2 o'clock, so if you'd like to come, then you, you're invited. Uh, family will be here uh, of Brother Charles, and so uh, you could be a blessing if you'd like to, to show up here at 2 o'clock. We'll, we'll do that. Matthew chapter 12 and verse number 42, just that ver first verse that we'll look at right now, and then we'll go back and put it all in context, but Matthew chapter 12 and verse number 42, the Bible says, Jesus says, the queen of the south shall rise up in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it for she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon and behold, a greater than Solomon is here. A greater than Solomon. Solomon portrayed the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a type of Christ in the Old Testament. And Jesus said that was just a shadow. That was just a type. That was a picture. Here's the real thing or here's uh, the the uh, anti-type for the illustration, and it's himself. A greater than Solomon is here. Lord, thank you so much. I pray that you'd help us to understand the the intensity of the brightness of the of the revelation given to us through the Lord Jesus Christ and what He's done for mankind, and especially His victory over death, hell, and the grave. By his resurrection. So Lord, I pray that you would help us to see some things that Jesus is the clear victor, that he's the one, he is the, the, uh, the focus of the entire uh, subject of the word of God from the Genesis through Revelation 
points to Christ. He is the clear victor. So, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to understand these things as we look to your word. We ask that you'd make it real to us. Help us to uh, see what you would have us to know and have us to, to uh, um, be presented with. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd just be with us in these next few moments. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 11 and verse number 20. We'll read a few passages in, in uh, this portion of Scripture in Matthew. So we'll begin reading with verse number 20 of Matthew chapter 11. Then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. This is where Jesus was, performed miracles, the deaf heard, the blind saw, the crippled walked. Uh, he raised some from the dead, and these mighty miracles, these unbelievable, these, these uh, uh, undeniable uh, manifestations of the power of God, in that area, those people didn't turn. They didn't repent. It did, they, they saw that. They, they were exposed to that. But it didn't do anything for them. It didn't bring them to a decision. They didn't repent and they didn't turn to God because that's what the miracles were intended to do was to bring attention to the Savior, to the Messiah. It says that Jesus was, was uh, not criticizing, but he was, he was upbraiding them. He was rebuking them because of their faithlessness, because they repented not. And this is what he said, verse 21. Woe unto the Chorazin. Woe unto the Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And thou Capernaum, which are exalted unto heaven, Shall be, shalt be brought down to hell, for if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. And in the same thought, he continues in the next chapter, chapter 12, verse number 28. Let's continue, and then we'll go back and kind of... Uh, focus in on what Jesus is saying here and what he's bringing out. Matthew chapter 12, verse 28. He says, but if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, which is what the, um, he was doing, and the, the Pharisees were, were charging him that he was, he was just working. His power came from the devil himself. And he, he's, he's uh, oppo uh, um, um, opposing that. He says, if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come unto you. Or else, how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house? Go down to verse number 40. Matthew chapter 12, verse 40. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonas. And behold, a greater than Jonas is here. The queen of the south shall rise up 
in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. So in each one of these, he's presenting the, the clarity of the re- revelation is so much more in these cases where he was and where he performed these miracles and they saw him. It wasn't a shadow. It wasn't a type. It wasn't something that represented the Messiah to come. It was the Messiah himself. And he says when he came and he presented these works before them, they should have repented. They should have believed, but they didn't. And he was, he was uh, upbraiding them for that. And each of these examples given by Jesus there were individuals who were affected by the presentation of the truth. Or they should have been affected by the presentation of the truth. Or those who would have been affected by a presentation of the truth had they been given that truth that they never got. He's talking about Sodom and the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, if I did the things here in Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have stopped and they would have repented uh, of their wickedness and turned to God because of the, the, the presentation of this truth, which they got truth, but it was shielded or it was in preaching or it wasn't as clear as it came to these people in Jesus' day. So in each one of those examples, there were individuals who were affected by the presentation of the truth. And what Jesus was saying, the more that God is revealed unto you, the more accountable you are to act upon that. In the first text in Matthew chapter 11, he says Chorazin and Bethsaida, were, they, they were places where Jesus lived. He preached, he healed there, he taught there, he shined the truth with a bright light, backing it by divine neon signs of miracles. And that's what the Bible says would flag the Messiah and those that would follow him is these miracles, the miracles that Jesus did. Acts chapter, 20, uh, chapter 2, verse 22. In this message, Peter says, Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you as ye yourselves also know. They actually saw that. that was, this was the generation that saw those. Even though they re- rose up to crucify him, he says he was flagged by heaven. He was, he was uh, uh, highlighted by God by the miracles and wonders and signs that he performed. He was approved of God. He was validated by God. He was emphasized to be the Messiah by God through these miracles and these wonders and these signs that they did and that they saw. And it was these miracles which showed a greater revelation, a brighter presentation of the truth. John chapter 3, verse 2. Nicodemus, the Bible says, the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. You see, they understood the Old Testament prophecies that the Messiah would have healing in his wings. And when the Messiah came, these things would follow. These things would would, uh, characterize his teaching and his presentation, these miracles and these signs and these wonders that Jesus did. The things that Jesus did, they recognized that. Here's a Pharisee that says, we know that 
you, you have to be on God's side. You must be with God because nobody could do what you're doing unless God is with them. And so they, they acknowledge that. Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. He said, this is how God confirmed these prophets and Jesus before them by signs and miracles and these, the, the miracles that Jesus did. As he says there, they bore witness that Jesus was of God. He was from heaven. See, Jesus stated that had other cities, you know, in, in his conversation, he talks about Tyre and Sidon, had other cities had the same opportunity that those cities had where, where he went around and he did miracles and they saw that, they should have, God required, God expected a response from these people who saw such a great revelation. I mean, it was undeniable when Jesus raises somebody from the dead right before them. When Lazarus dead four days and he's already, his body is beginning to decompose and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And he comes forth bound in grave clothes and he says, cut him open, let him, let him loose. Talk about a, talk about a, 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 an unbelievable, what do you do with that? What do you do with that? Uh, just this last uh, weekend here where, the, where Brother Scott Nail he preached about, and he used illustrations of him being a mortician for six years. And he said he got so used to being around death and the dead, and, you know, that he, he would just go into the uh, uh, keeping room, wherever that was, where they would keep the cadavers, and it'd be cool. They had to have it cool, and, and it was hot outside, so he would come in there and lay down and go to sleep and, and take a nap, you know, uh, while the others are taking naps. <laughs> I'm thinking... If anybody came in and he gets up at that point, then you're going to have another cadaver, you know? I don't know. <laughs> but listen, when, when somebody comes, uh, 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 raises from the dead, as Jesus did with, with others, what do you do with that? I mean, it is so unbelievable. It's, it's so out of the ordinary. It's so impossible. Somebody that, that is blind, that begins to see. Somebody that is deaf, begins to hear. Somebody that that was, had a sickness and, and is no longer sick. Oh, boy, there's... And that's everywhere Jesus went. There was a, there was a, a wake of health and life and sight and blessing. And so Jesus said that had other cities like Tyre and Sidon had the same opportunity that they had when they saw the display of miracles and the power of God, they would have repented and become believers. Folks, it's a, it's a, a, a warning to the privileged. He was speaking to those who were privileged to see those things. Privileged to have these things exposed to them where then they were expected to respond. They were required to have an accountability to that, that revelation given. 
And then Jesus lays out the importance of the show of power and victory over a weaker enemy. And we read those verses in Matthew 12, verse number 29. He says, or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods except he first bind the strong man and then he will spoil his house. You know what he's talking about here? He's talking about a regular situation. Here's somebody that has, you know, some kind of a house and it's, it's secure or some kind of a fortress. He's got gates. He's got uh, security. He's got dogs or he's got locks and, and bars. And he's, he's got uh, 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 plenty of firepower to keep his goods safe. As long as he's strong, he can keep his goods safe unless somebody breaks in who has more firepower. Somebody who is stronger than the strong man. Now, what he's saying there, he's illustrating by things that we understand. We can, we can understand security. We can understand firepower. Uh, you know, that's why our police will have uh, the, uh, the weapons to uh, not just keep the peace, but to overpower the anarchist or the enemies that want to come and break the law. They must have a greater firepower. Power. Other, they're not stronger than the enemy. They have to be stronger. And that's, that's just a concept. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a, a concept that we understand in, in this fallen world in which we live. But Jesus is using the, the illustration of a man that has his goods intact because he's strong. And, and it's going to remain, his things are going to remain his unless... Somebody stronger than him breaks in, ties him up, and, and uh, negates him, and then he could take his goods and he could do whatever he wants. The strong man that Jesus is talking about is Satan, who has his things. This is his world, and, and he's got people deceived, and he's, and he's got the power that he has, uh, uh, the flesh, the, 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 uh, the world. The devil has the power over a... a, a uh, a lost and a dying world. And then Jesus, the man who was stronger than the strong man, comes in and whoops up on him. That's what he's saying. He whoops up on the, the strong man, Satan, because Jesus is stronger because he's able to, to negate him and then therefore overpower him. Wow. What a... And, and he's talking about his power, his resurrection. Uh, he's talking about how that, that he overcame uh, clearly victorious because Jesus is the strongest, even stronger than the strong man who wants to, to keep that which is his or what he thinks is his. Now, now, Jesus comes and whoops up on him. That's, what it, that's the application of this. Uh, note that in that illustration, the devil being the strong man, Jesus is the stronger man who whoops up on him. And by the way, this is a principle in a fallen and a dangerous world. The stronger the defense, the safer the household or the business or the nation. The one with the greater firepower wins. That's what Jesus is saying here. And he's not teaching that. It's not a political statement, but it surely can be applied. And I want to say this, being that this is the time that we vote and be the citizen that we should cast your vote this week for the stronger national defense. Amen. And buy a gun. <laughs> That's right. No, listen, listen. Luke twenty two thirty six. When Jesus was uh, talking to his disciples, there uh, wasn't guns then, but he says, "Go out and buy a sword." Why would Jesus say that? That's that's personal defense. That's you know. Okay, that's another story for another time. 
Anyway, getting back to the story that he's talking about. Now, listen, those are, those are absolutely uh, wise principles. The strongest defense wins. The strongest man wins. And so you've got to have that in whatever, house, nation, whatever. So anyway, but the story that he was telling there, the illustration, he's saying that Jesus is whooping up on the devil by his resurrection. That's the context, what he's saying. He says, hey, listen, no matter what the devil says, that he's power over, and, and because of his influence, we see death that's passed upon all men because of Adam's sin, and, and uh, he fell, he, he, they, they took the bait, and, and we have the, the sorrow and, and the death and the, and the destruction that we've had ever since Adam here comes Jesus, the stronger than the strong man. And he whoops up on the devil by his resurrection. See, the resurrection mentioned by Jesus in Matthew chapter 12, verse number 40. Let's look at it. He says, For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So he's talking about when he dies, he's going to be dead for three days. And for three nights. And then he says, verse 41, The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonas and behold, a greater than Jonas is here. You remember that whole story. Jonas or Jonah was an illustration of Jesus to come. He was in the, the, the deep for three days and three nights and God had the, the fish to vomit him out on dry land and he came and he preached and listen, those that saw, can you imagine what he looked like three days after being in the gastric juices of a fish or whale uh, where he was certainly disfigured? Can you see this guy that looks like, you know, some of you guys, you know, purple and whatever? And, and uh, man, I'm telling you. And here he comes and he says, God said Nineveh will be destroyed in 40 days. And, and they repented because of what happened there. And he says, listen. Something much more than that. The Son of Man is going to be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights, and I'm coming forth. That's what it's all about. That's, it's just a shadow of what, what the real power of God is when, when God will overcome death through, through Jesus Christ. And then he goes on, he says in verse 42, the queen of the south, this was the queen of Sheba, if you remember the illustration in 1 Kings chapter 10, where he says, the queen of the south, she came a long distance. She'll, she'll rise up in judgment with this generation. What generation? The generation that saw the miracles and didn't repent. The generation that, that had that kind of a revelation and did not come to the proper decision. The ones that were required to Decide, required to repent, required to do something with the truth given, the bright light that was shown. He says, listen, the queen of the south, she came a long distance to hear the wisdom of Solomon, but a greater than Solomon is here. Solomon is just a type of Christ. Here's the Messiah in the flesh, in human flesh. And so that's what he said. <clears throat> Behold, a greater than Solomon was here. See, because Jesus, by the resurrection that was mentioned, he was the brightest, he was the clearest, he was the most powerful witness God could ever have given mankind. By every valid investigatory method, we know that Jesus rose from the dead. We know that more than we can verify the lives of George Washington and Abraham Lincoln in our history books. 
I'm telling you, folks, we have, we have a, a solid foundation of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God was sure to make an open show of this victory over the devil's reign. It was prophesied. It was warned about. Jesus said when he showed up on the scene, uh, seven, eight hundred, a thousand years prior to his coming, it was, it was prophesied that Jesus would, Jesus would come and overcome death. But here, when he's on earth, he says over and over and over again, tear this down and in three days, I'll, I will um, raise it up again. He was sure to make an open show of this victory over the devil's reign. It was prophesied. He warned uh, folks, his enemies, that this is what would take place. He noted it. It was secured by Roman guard and feared by the dark kingdom. You remember, in the grave, and those of his opposition came to Pilate, and they said, well, hey, we want to make sure he stays in the grave because maybe they're going to steal his body away. And then they'll, they'll, and he says, all right, I'm, I'm giving you the, the strength of Rome. Make it as sure as you can. That's what he said. Keep them in the grave if you can. They couldn't. Thank the Lord. They couldn't. Praise the Lord for that. But it was openly victorious. He was openly victorious over death and hell and the grave by Jesus' public title match against the devil. Scores of people saw and spoke with and touched the resurrected Christ. Even scoffers were silenced at that time because the open and manifest nature of Jesus' documented life, his miracles, and his resurrection as seen when Festus tried to ridicule Paul as mad when he referenced the resurrection in Acts chapter 26 when he's dealing with this scoffer who says, Paul, you're mad. You're crazy. That stuff is, that's a bunch of baloney. You're crazy. And, and Paul says, no, no, for the king knoweth of these things before whom I also freely speak. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. See, God didn't hide these. Matter of fact, God was very careful to make it uh, unknown, manifest, put the limelight on this event, the resurrection of Christ. He says, uh, none of these things are hidden from him, for this thing was not done in a corner. Thank God, that's the resurrection. An open show over death, an open show over the strong man that couldn't hang on to his goods. Boom, the resurrection. That's a drop-the-mic time, you know. Festus didn't counter Paul. He couldn't because he knew that was true. He understood that, and everybody did. In that generation, there's nothing you can say about that. See, if the resurrection was in question at all, then at that point, Festus would say, no, 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 now, Paul, that's what you say, but, you know, and, and give some kind of a... But you know what? He could stop right there. Jesus rose from the dead, and he says... And you know it, because this thing was not done in a corner. Everybody knows it around here. Wow. He knew. They all knew. It was proven. It was documented. It was validated. Jesus, the strongest man, won over every strong man opponent. Uh, now, folks, this morning, I just want to take a moment to emphasize the truth of God's undeniable acts. Jesus has labored to get across that. The greater the revelation of the truth, the more accountable are we are to respond. That's what he says. That's what he's saying about his ministry on earth. Did you hear what I said? The greater the revelation of the truth, the brighter the, that, that revealing truth, the more accountable 
we are to respond. God requires a decision to those who have the truth. In John 15, 22, this is what Jesus said. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin, but now they have no cloak for their sin. He says, listen, when I lay things out and it's made clear and you can't hide. You know, if sometimes if you want to hide, if you want to pretend like, if you want to, you know, just ignore what God's saying, well, you know, that's one thing, but if God hadn't spoken clearly. But he says, no, no, I jerked the covers off. There's no more hiding. There's no more cloak for their sin. See, because you are responsible to act upon the revelation that you have been given. So, for those of us here in this room today, his challenge goes out to you. When, he's, when he talks about, you know, Tyre and Sidon and all of these, and listen, it's woe because, you know, you had a greater, greater revelation than they ever had. He's speaking to us. He's speaking of our generation here now, today. He's speaking of folks here at Wooden Valley Baptist Sanctuary 2018. His challenge goes out to you in three ways. Number one, in the indestructible word of God. The indestructible word of God. Matthew 24, 35, Jesus said this, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Here we go, right there. <laughs> These are his words. All things whatsoever he's spoken, right here. We've got his words. And they're preserved. Promised. Promised by Jesus. Oh, man. Over the centuries, there have been those who hated God and hated what he stands for and hated what he says and counters everything that God says, like from the very beginning, yea, hath God said, and, and there's an attack against God's word from the very beginning, but Jesus promised. He, said, he assured, he says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. You know, that's the only verse in the Bible that's repeated six times verbatim. Six times. You think God wants us to get that? He's saying, hey, listen, you, you know, and you know what? There's a bright light. There's a bright light of witness, of testimony to God's power when he says, my words shall not pass away. Although hated and despised from the, from the Jehoiada who wanted to destroy it, we, we talked about him a few weeks back when he takes a pen knife, cuts our, out part of the word of God to try to burn it up, burn the whole thing up. He doesn't like it. He doesn't want it. I mean, we've had, we've had quote, scholars like that ever since trying to take the, the truth of God's word and tear it out and say, well, that doesn't mean that. And that doesn't, and, and let's get rid of that. And let's get rid of that. We don't need these myths. And there's been an attack upon God's word ever since. Uh, from, from Jehoiada back then, who wanted to destroy it, to infidel scholars and scientists who deny truths in the Bible. It outlasts them all. Heaven and earth shall pass away. But Jesus said, my word shall not pass away. You see, his challenge goes out to you and to me. I mean, those are words. Folks, listen, this is important to understand. When Jesus makes it clear, when, when there's a, a bright light on this challenge, he says, he challenges you by the, number one, the indestructible word of God. Indestructible concerning the truth of whether it be science or archaeology or astronomy or biology, psychology, and especially prophecy. Everything that the Bible says, 100% true, comes to pass, 100% true. How in the world, how in the world, back before Galileo, could anybody have guessed that the Bible says 
He hangeth the, the earth or the sphere upon nothing. That was, you know, pictures of the globe, of, of the, the, the world, on the back of a giant turtle because it's got to be supported somehow. You know, and this is before we understood, before, you know, the, the, the model of, of the solar system and of planets and all that kind of thing. How in the world could this book written in antiquity got it right and doesn't have to be changed and is absolutely in line with science? How in the world could that happen? But it does. And it's, and it's accurate in any of the proven sciences today. In astronomy, where, you know, where the Bible talks about, you know, the, 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 the countless number of stars. And you know what? Before Hubble, our, our astronomical, our scientific community estimated the number of stars. The universe is so big, and the number of stars, even though they kind of have to guess at it, but they guess the number of stars to be da 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 And now we have... We have uh, telescopes and, and power to actually look way beyond we thought we would ever be able to look. And you know what? Scientists come to the conclusion, uh, I guess we were wrong. It's further than that. How far? Well, it's, we don't know. Yeah, pretty far. <laughs> At first, it was some kind of a measurement. and oh, that's, that's impossible. Hey, but when the Bible says innumerable stars... I, we can't even, we as finite creatures cannot even imagine space and time and things that God is, is author of that, that, that does that. But you know what, folks, I'm telling you, this book, although hated, it's, it's true to all of the, 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 the uh, uh, disciplines today. And like I say, especially prophecy. Oh, man, when you see how God called it out so precise. I mean, so very, 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 very precise that it can't be just happening. Jesus would be uh, betrayed by 30 pieces of silver. That silver, that money would be thrown back and, and go to the powder's field. The man that, that would do that would, would commit suicide and his bowels gushed out. You know what? There's, there's prophecy in the Word of God that is just amazing. It's amazing. You know what? That's, that's a bright light, folks. That's a bright light. And when God gives... Hey, hey! When God gives us a bright light, He requires. He expects a response. He expects repentance. It's not like give or take. No, no! You remember what He said about Tyre and Sidon? He says, listen... You guys that I, I performed, the, I showed this in a clear way, a brighter way than others. You are required, you are expected to repent because others would have, if they were given this, but you're given this and, and God requires it, expects it. His challenge goes out to you in number one, the indestructible word of God. Number two, the undeniable resurrection of Christ. Been singing about that all morning long. What a blessing. <laughs> what a cool thing to have. Who, I did not know that we were going to be dealing with this this morning as far as the songs. It seems like uh, Lamar and I get together and we, we, we coordinate perfectly. And what's, I didn't know that this was even going to be uh, uh, the subject of the, of the morning's uh, uh, rejoicing and, and celebration of, of what Jesus did on the cross. Amen. It's a point right here, <laughs> right there. 
He challenges out to you in the undeniable resurrection of Christ. That's what it says. (laughs) Because that's what God does. He, He challenges us upon the undeniable resurrection of Christ. Acts chapter 1, verse number 1. Here, uh, Luke, the apologist, at this point, it's Dr. Luke. (coughs) It's companion of Paul Luke. It's, uh, you know, the the guy that has written uh, uh, to put to pen the the book of Acts and other things in the Word of God. And, And here, here where Luke is writing, actually the book of Acts was written to a friend of his. Because he wanted to explain. Maybe the guy was an unbeliever. I think he was. He was an unbeliever. And he was trying to show him what God was doing and, and all about it. And so he put down historically what took place from the time of Christ. And that's the book of Acts. And this is what he's, what he's writing to. His, his buddy's name is called Theo. Theophilus. Acts chapter 1, verse number 1. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. And go down to verse number three. He says, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion. This is Christ. You know, the passion week, the time of his suffering and dying on the cross, that's his passion. He says, he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. He says, he showed himself alive by many infallible proofs. That's a wonderful, you know, if you, if you know the, the, the Greek language, which that's not our language, but you can easily find the, 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 the verbiage that he gives here, many infallible proofs. Infallible proofs means true truths. He's actually saying a, a double positive. Twice he's saying uh, 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 provable proofs or true truths. Or, or he's saying undeniable, undeniables. Sure sureties, uncontestable facts. There's no way to get around this. Many infallible proofs. He says, he, he's shown himself. Folks, no other guru or spiritual leader can claim a resurrection from the dead. But our Savior. Amen. No other person has won over the grave. Oh, there's been a lot of enlightened you know, leaders here and there, but you know, none of them... None of them come close to this. Each one of them are rotting in their graves today. There's one who is not. He's on the right hand of the Father up on high. Nobody else has ever claimed victory over his enemies like Jesus has. Revelation 1.18, he says, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of death and hell. I got it right here on my belt. The keys of death and hell. I've overcome Listen, that's only Jesus. By the undeniable resurrection of Christ, folks, it's because of what Jesus did on the cross. That's a bright light. He requires a response. He he expects a decision made upon that because the greater the light shone, the more accountable you are to deal with God. To respond to him. His challenge goes out to to us in number one, the indestructible word of God, the Bible. Number two, the undeniable resurrection of Christ. And number three, the understandable communication of the Spirit of God. We're talking about by the Spirit this year, of the Spirit of God's conviction and his, 
his role in the believer's life of leadership, of guidance, of teaching. His role in lost people's lives in convicting. That's what the Spirit of God does. He convicts. What that means is he, 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 he highlights sin. He highlights our condition before God. He brings our sin to be exceeding sinful in our eyes. And we understand. We, we begin to see us like God sees us. That we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We, we've not made it. We're, we're law breakers. We're transgressors. <coughs> and the Spirit of God will speak to a person. <coughs> will convict a person. Will bring a person to say, Hey, you know what that preacher's saying? He's right. He's right. You need this. You must be saved. And that's the Spirit of God that's going along in this message on the inside while you hear words on the outside. That still small voice that is undeniably speaking to you in these seats. You know that he's accurately presenting God's word. You need to be saved. You're undone. Run to Calvary. That's what the Spirit of God is saying. And listen, it's clear. And you know it. You know it down deep inside. You know, there might be some who just want to put their fingers in their ears and say, I don't want to hear no more. I don't want this. I don't want this. I don't want that. You know what? Eventually, you, you, you stop. You, get, you try to get away from that. But you know what? If you're listening, friend, if you're genuinely seeking, listening, the Spirit of God is saying, yes, you need to be born again. Yes, you need to be saved. See, Jesus is the strong man. He's the victor, the clear winner. The bright testimony warns you to pay attention to his reasoning with your soul. You're responsible. Hey, listen, friend, you're responsible to decide. The more, the brighter the light of revelation that God gives, the more accountable that we are to make a decision. So what about you? How about receiving Christ today? God's gone to great lengths to present to you many infallible proofs so that you can say yes to Christ. You can say yes to him. You can be saved. Now, believer, what about you? You, you also are responsible to respond to his spirit. You know, that's one of the things I've been seeing lately. I just want to... Um, what's the word reason with you about that that the spirit of god has been speaking and dealing very clearly and and it's not like it's not like we don't know his language he know he knows our language he speaks your language and when he speaks to our heart and he says listen that's not right that's dishonest when he speaks to our heart and he says Believer, you know what? That doesn't, that doesn't bring me glory. And we know exactly what he's saying. When the Spirit of God is, is speaking very clearly and, we, and understandably when he says, hey, you need to get in line here or, or uh, uh, you need to be grateful for this or you need to put down that pride or you need to, you need to stop with, the, with, the, with the, the negative spirit or whatever it is that the Spirit of God is speaking to you about, we know, we understand. Like I say, he... He knows, he knows our language, doesn't he? So his challenge to us goes out in the understandable communication of the Spirit, whether it's to get saved or to be right with him. The, listen, the clearer that he presents, the brighter the light of his witness, the greater the accountability that we have to respond 
friend. Let's say yes to him. Let's deal with him. Let's do the deciding that we need to today. Every head bowed. Nobody look over just a moment. <clears throat> there may be some things that <clears throat> wasn't even mentioned, weren't even touched upon, but if the Spirit of God does his job in a service where he has full reign, which I believe he has full reign here today, and he's been speaking today. And as, as the Spirit of God has having full reign speaking to you and your heart. It might not even be what was dealt with, but you know and you understand. You understand. You, you communicate with the, with the, with the Spirit. And you, you know that. And so here you are. You, you've got to make a decision to say yes to Him. You've got to say, you've got to uh, uh, comply. You've got to agree with the, with the Spirit and go along with that and, and understand and, and communicate with Him. Or you can ignore it. Or you can say no. Or you can, you can deny that. What is it that God wants you to do? Believer, does he want you to be faithful in, in your devotion to him and being in the word of God every day? Does he want you to be faithful in witnessing to that coworker, that loved one? Does he want you to be faithful financially? Does he want you to be faithful? Does he want you to join this church or, or to, to take a step or be baptized or whatever it is that you know that you need to do, that you should do? The spirit of God is speaking to you about, don't ignore him. The louder he speaks, the more he requires. The clearer the, the, the diction of the Spirit of God in our heart, the more accountable we are. Don't ignore the Spirit of God. Say yes to him. Friend, if you're here without Christ, he is given bright witness. In the indestructible word of God, the undeniable resurrection of Christ, the understandable communication of the Spirit of God, say yes to him. It's, a, it's, a, it's an encouragement. It's a warning from Jesus. You need to repent. You need to do business as the Spirit of God speaks to your heart. How about it today? Lord, I pray that you'd help each one of us to say yes.